You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Kim Grenolds of Dogman.com with Hoops Guru Aaron Beach. It has been a busy, busy, busy couple of weeks, couple of months with the basketball program with a lot of transfers out and two new assistant coaches hired and a bunch of new guys brought in. You know, Aaron, just first of all, with the guys that they let go, house cleaning, gutting it, whatever you want to call it, was it needed? Absolutely. Uh, despite the justifiable panic from Husky fans, um, they've completely rebooted the roster and they've pretty much upgraded at every position, including the coaching staff. So, uh, yeah, huge win. Um, totally needed. Uh, you know, they've grown. They've got more athletic. I'm sure we'll go into this, but uh, I, I mean, I'm fired up. This is this is exactly what they needed to do to you know, restore the, the program's momentum and they've done it. So, uh, yeah, I'm stoked. Yeah. It was just a bad roster, bad fit, uh, for the system he wanted to do bad personalities, just a lot of, um, dysfunction, a lot of players just not knowing their roles. And even if they didn't know their role, didn't adapt to it, chemistry issues and everything. And, you know, everybody wants to play the, the blame game. Yeah. It's on hop. Yeah. I mean, if now what, you know, so it looks as always fixed the problem. And, you know, the first thing was, um, you know, with the two new coaches on the staff, Cameron Dollar wanting to go in a different direction, Dave Rice let go. But, uh, you know, the first ball to drop on that assistant uh, tree was uh, Wiking Jones, which I think is a huge get. Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. And, you know, he just got a taste of the head coaching experience at Cal. Um you know, and when we, he was just there for a split second and then gone. And so he's, he's been there, he's been to the mountain, but uh, he didn't really get to do anything with it. He was a hell of a recruiter in the brief time he was there. You know, he, he, uh, he got some commitments from some big names, um, Jalen Brown, Ivan Rabb, you know, five-star guys. So he's got a lot of experience recruiting that kind of talent. Um, you know, the thing is that the, the Pacific Northwest, which very much includes um, the Bay Area, Northern California, uh, is really kind of where the, the program needs to live. Um, you know, I, I, I always felt that New York, going to New York, even though they brought in a couple of solid guys, kind of a reach. Um, and frankly, if you could just live in the Pacific Northwest area, uh, I think the program can th thrive. And so uh, Jones was, you know, that's what uh, that's why he was hired was to to restore that recruiting credibility here in the in the Northwest region. Yeah, and I think the big part about Viking Jones is he's a big man himself and no disrespect to Cameron Dollar, but Cameron's a point guard and he was the guy working with the bigs. Now the bigs have a guy working with them that they can look in the eye who understands the position, who's played the position. And, you know, when we've seen the last few years, the bigs just haven't developed in a manner that you would like. And when you take a look at Nate Roberts, he just looked lost at times. And I think this hire will do wonders for Nate Roberts. Yeah, agreed. Um, and you're absolutely right. When you look at Hamir, uh, Roberts, even Riley, you didn't see a lot of offensive development in particular. Um, 
And, and so I, I, I expect to see a ton of growth in that regard, you know, with these guys they are bringing in some high quality impact talent, um, you know, with a lot of athletic tools that Washington hasn't had in the last couple of, well, I guess since Stewart, at any rate. Um, so uh, I'm excited to see what we can do with them. When I first heard the name Quincy Pondexter being mentioned for a possible job as an assistant coach, I just kind of wondered, okay, is he ready that ready yet? But the more I dove into it and seen what um, he's been doing down in the Fresno area and down on in the Vegas area and talking to a lot of people about what he's been doing and where he wants to go. I'm pretty excited about hiring of Quincy, not just because he has the UW ties, but uh, boy, I think he's going to be an up and comer before you know it. Well, he's got the right personality. That was the first thing I thought of was, you know, and, and obviously Romar was his mentor and, um, you know, they share a lot of similarities. So I see in Quincy a lot of those, uh, those same traits, uh, forgetting the whole, um, you know, ex-husky aspect, as you said, uh, sitting in a living room and conveying all the, the things that he's endured, all the hardships, um, and how he's persevered through it, uh, I think it's just going to be such a powerful message on the recruiting front. And, uh, you know, that's where his focus is going to be at the start, right? As he's cutting his teeth in the, you know, as an assistant coach, he's going to be a, he's going to be a recruiting bulldog. And uh, I think he's got a powerful message to share. Well, he told me, you know, he spent hundreds of thousands of his own uh, money on the development programs down in, you know, um, Las Vegas and down in the Fresno area. And, um, you know, he found um, Jalen Green, you know, one of the top players in the country when he was an eighth grader, developed him to one of the premier talents. Um, Jaden Hardy is a Quincy Pondexter guy. Um, he's had a lot of guys come through that program. So, you know, his ability to develop talent, while you may think he doesn't have the experience at the college level, he's been getting it done developing talent down in Fresno and Vegas. Well, he's a grinder. I mean, the guy works his tail off. Um, and he, he was always known that way at Washington, you know, whether it would be studying tape or working out, you know, late into the night, he's that guy. And um, so I've got to believe that that's going to translate really well to demonstrating the grind, demonstrating the commitment um, to do what it takes. I mean, he was a talented guy, but he wasn't the most talented guy when he came in at Washington. Had a good freshman season, but he certainly wasn't a one and done guy, even if he considered it. Um, but he, you know, he worked his butt off to improve and he grew as a player and he, his body matured. And he, I mean, he was working tirelessly to grow and it paid off and he can show exactly what he did. This is my blueprint. This is what I did to, you know, to become a factor in the NBA and not just to get drafted, but to stay. He was in the league for nine years, even enduring those long-term injuries, and they still found enough value in him to keep him around. So um, I think that's a testament to him more than anything. You know, the NBA does, just doesn't hand out, you know, millions of dollars in contracts for guys that they don't think are worth it and won't put in the time. I've never talked to a guy on the phone or done an interview with a guy who displayed three emotions all at once. His level of excitement was off the charts when I talked to him. He was incredibly humbled to be hired by the University of Washington. He was also highly emotional. And he talked about, you know, when Coach Hop offered him the job, how tears started rolling down his face because he was just 
I mean, the emotions just poured out of me. He says, then coach hop started to cry. So when you have a guy with that much passion, um, you know, I always call Will Conroy coach passion, but uh, he may need to step aside for Quincy. (laughs) Well, you and I both spent a lot of time around Quincy and those three things you just described. I mean, that's him. Like those, that's, that's who he is. He's passionate and humble at the same time and super fiery and very competitive. But, uh, you know, somehow he, he brings it all together in this lovable, uh, charismatic package. And, um, you know, he's, he's going to be such a big factor. You know, was, he's got long-term, he's a, he's a potential head coaching candidate, in my opinion. I was talking to Quincy about my two all-time favorite Quincy moments. And uh, one of them was with you. And he just joined the team as a freshman. And him and Adrian Oliver showed up to Heckhead with bike helmets on them, bicycles. And they look like two of the nerdiest kids I've ever seen. Remember that? <laughs> Remember that? Yep. I do. I do. Those We're just looking at them go, what the hell? <laughs> and then, yep. And then uh, my next favorite was open gym. And um, he, uh, he caught an elbow from John Brockman and knocked four of his teeth back. And John's just smiling. And Quincy's bleeding all over the place. And he's going, it's not funny, John. It's not funny, John. So. Well, that wasn't. Uh, Brockman's fault. I mean, let's be real. Quincy went up and tried to dunk on him in John's house. That's <laughs> disrespectful. Can't do it. And yeah. He paid him price. Yeah, yeah. That was, I wouldn't say it's one of my favorite moments, but it's definitely one of my most memorable moments of Quincy. We were laughing. We shouldn't have been. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we were. But we were definitely laughing. But all of a sudden, Beach, this roster has really taken on an interesting look. Um, you know, yesterday with the addition of Dejon Davis, it may have been the missing piece of what they really needed. Yeah, he was the guy, in my opinion. He's the one that they needed to get to take them from being an improvement next season to a competitor, to competing, not necessarily for a Pac-12 title, because I think the conference is stacked. But I think we're now talking, you know, we're competing for 2022 wins and a potential NCAA tournament berth. That's, that's the jump. You know, I'm, it's hard to go from five wins to 20 wins, right? I mean, that's a pretty big leap. But I think in a lot of ways, the stars have aligned with the transfer portal, enabling uh, Hopkins to truly reboot, reboot things and bring in that level of talent that, um, you know, was clearly missing last season. Well, what's interesting is the two guys that seem to be the ringleaders right now and the guys that just seem when I've talked to them and the stories I've heard, the guys that seem most determined, the guys that are most motivated, the guys and you get sick of hearing the term chip on their shoulders. But there's some anger right now uh, amongst this local basketball team, and it's all seemed to be led by Terrell Brown and Emmett Matthews. And those two seem to be the ringleader and bringing guys back home. Um, you know, and then with Will Conroy constantly tweeting out, you know, don't turn your back on your city, you know, put the city on your back. And I'm telling you, the things I'm hearing about Emmett Matthews and Terrell Brown, those guys aren't um, those guys are taking no prisoners right now. Well, so there's there's some similarities in, you know, those two guys you mentioned and then also Davis. And I think they're probably three things. Or it's one thing that I think makes this team a dramatically upgraded group versus last year. And that's the fact that all three of them are really elite defenders. Um, you know, 
in their own ways. You know, they're all three of them very different players. Terrell is kind of the floor general. And, and the thing that is great about bringing Terrell in and bringing him first, he was, he was really the glue that held those rotary squads, which included Dejan and, um, and Jalen Noel, right, in the backcourt. It was Terrell that was the one who was running the show. Um, and so he's got so much history, um, you know, leading teams, being the captain, setting guys up. He's unselfish. Um, you know, he's not going to be a guy that scores 15 points a game, and Washington doesn't need that out of him. They need, you know, a guy that can come in and be a leader, score 10 to 12 points a game, distribute the ball, play wicked defense, um, and be an example and really the motor that propels the team. So, um, you know, there's in those three guys, all local guys, I think Washington and Hopkins is making a statement that we're focused on here. This is this is how we're going to get things done moving forward. And uh, it's a great message to send to you know, the entire basketball community in Seattle in the Northwest. When I talked to Dejan yesterday, um, I talked to him about Terrell and him and Terrell are actually cousins, not like cousins, like a lot of people say, but no, they're true blood cousins and they've been playing together for a long time. And, um, you know, talking to Dejan, it sounds like you bring the ball up. I bring the ball up. I play the one, you play the two. We'll switch it up every time. And there's no ego involved with those two guys. They just kind of tag team you. Yeah, well, and I honestly, I think that's kind of going to be the case with the whole squad, including that. That's the guys that remain from last season. I mean, if you look at Jamel Bay, Jamal Bay, that's that's how um, that's how he plays. He's unselfish, um, and maybe this allows him now that he's got you know a couple guys who can do the dirty work, you know, getting in the paint um, and driving and dishing and setup. Maybe that allows him to be comfortable in that um, you know in that three point shooting role, right? That three and D role, which I think is a much better fit for him than trying to do it all, which is what he was doing last season. Well, the guy that I'm really excited about is Emmett Matthews, you know, and I've been burning up the phone lines for a long time. You know, uh, Emmett comes from West Virginia and uh, he played for Bob Huggins and Bob Huggins, you know, from probably a second or third hand source um, told Mike Hopkins that um, every night Emmett steps on the court, he will be the best defensive player on the court at six, seven, 210, 215 pounds. And I heard another story that um, Langston Wilson, you know, the big that they got the commitment from the number two JC player in the country, um, you know, and I got this from a friend of Emmett's that um, when uh, Langston called um, Bob, um, Mike Hopkins to commit, he said, Emmett told me that if I come to Washington, we'll be the best defensive team in the country. Is that true? <laughs> and Hopkins acknowledged that. And Wilson said, I'm coming then. So that's the kind of mentality that they're bringing in. But Emmett Matthews, you know, if you take a look and follow him on Instagram and uh, Twitter, he's been working guys on social media pretty hard. Yeah, I don't, uh, I'm not an Instagram guy, but uh, yeah, you're right. Um, I, I love the pride that these guys are taking. Um, and it seems to be that uh, their focus is in the right places, which is building team and focused on, you know, the importance of defense and, um, those kind of things to me are what you want to see from these guys. I, it's not like they didn't bring in a guy who's going to score 20 points a game. Right. And at this point where Washington's at, I'm not sure that's what you want. I think you want to restore the the team chemistry, um, you know, the team atmosphere. And I think they've got the right guys to do that. 
I mean, when you take a look at the bigs, which is what they really lacked last year, they're bringing in Langston Wilson, who's 6'9 with a 41-inch invert. Um, pretty raw, but um, he seems to be doing a great job down in, he's down in Vegas working out, and um, he looks exciting to say the least. Nate Roberts, I'm excited for Nate because he's finally going to be working with the bigs coach. So it'll be interesting to see how Viking Jones is able to develop those two. And then uh, the guy that nobody's not talking about, you know, the McDonald's All-American and Jackson Grant, who's six foot ten. And I think all three of those guys can play anywhere along the um, the bottom of the zone. And then, you know, you really want to get crazy, throw one of those guys out at the top of the zone as well at times. Well, so there's a lot of versatility, right? Um, Hopkins can do a lot of things based on whatever the games are throwing at him. But I'm, I can't wait to see Wilson. You know, I've watched enough, you know, video now to, you know, he, the guy can jump. <laughs> so I do know that. Uh, he looks like he's, uh, he's an energy guy that's going to get put back dunks and, and uh, <clears throat> you know, get up and down the floor in a hurry. Um, so I, I'm not going to pretend to know a whole lot about him. You can't really take, uh, you know, stats from JC and you correlate them to really anything at the D1 level. But that being said, <clears throat> the guy sure seems to have a, a nice uh, skill set. He's got lots of tools. Um, and the fact that he's not going to be sitting in the paint the whole time, that he's going to be out on a wing um, or out on down the baseline in the corners, you know, defending in that way. I mean, Washington's going to be tough to score on. That's what it looks like to me. A couple of interesting <clears throat> notes on Wilson. His dad played at uh, Villanova. His dad also played for the Harlem Globetrotters, which is kind of unique in its own way. Um, he, uh, Wilson was unable to play uh, high school basketball because of a medical condition that he seems to have overcome, but just some of the stories about the work ethic of this kid when he was like 13, 14 years old, he was going around the neighborhood getting jobs of uh, uh, shoveling people's driveways. And he would actually have them sign contracts, employment contracts to shovel their driveways. Um, he was uh, had a job when he was 16 years old. So he's got the work ethic. And when you talk to him, you know, we've been doing this long enough beach where when you talk to a kid, you can tell whether he's got it or not if he's a knucklehead or not, or if it's a high character human being. But when I was talking to Langston Wilson, it was very, very similar to when I was talking with Isaiah Stewart. And if that gives you any indication of the type of personality he is, I think Washington found a dream, you know, found a gem um, in Wilson. Um, man, that's great to hear. Um, you know, and, and I guess to touch on something that we overlooked and that you'd mentioned was um, Jackson Grant. Oh, yeah. So they bring in an all, a McDonald's All-American. Right. Who's kind of the gem of the recruiting class. Um, and what this is going to allow him to do is rather than being forced into a situation where he has to be the guy out of the gate. Now he's going to get to develop at the pace that Jackson Grant needs to develop at because everyone that's different for everyone. Um, and I know he's got a lot of work to do in his body. Um, so now rather than having to start and be pressured into being your, you know, first or second option. Now he can develop properly at whatever pace that is for him. Um, and long-term for both the program and for him, that is absolutely the, the best thing that could have happened. You know, talking to, you know, uh, Jackson Grant, when I did another example, and, you know, I'm seeing more and more of this, Jackson Grant is a guy that when I talked to really expressed his desire to be here, you know, where some of the other guys on last year's roster, yeah, I'm here, whatever. But these guys are deeply passionate. Jackson Grant's wanted to be at Washington 
for a long, long time. Um, you know, and Emmett Matthews coming back home. And if you read the interview I did, you know, with Emmett, just the struggle about being away from home and finally being back home. And um, I talked to Dejan Davis. I didn't put this out, but uh, I told you about it. Dejan's pretty tight with his mom, to say the least. And uh, when I called Dejan yesterday, he was glad to hear from me. But he said, can I call you back in like an hour and just cooking breakfast with my mom? I said, well, what are you making? And he said, pancakes, bacon, eggs, and grits. And he goes, and if I don't do the grits just right, they won't turn out right. So <laughs> um, he's he's really happy to be back home. Terrell Brown, of course, is thrilled to be back home. And, uh, you know, P.J. Fuller's still hanging out there in the transfer portal. So we'll see uh, if they can bring P.J. Fuller back into the fold as well. And he would be a definite piece that would um, add to it. What is he, 6'6", six, six, Aaron? Yep, six six and kind of a combo guard. Uh, he's really at ease, both um, you know playing off ball as well as you know running point when he needs to. So um, <clears throat> he'd be a, a huge pickup. And and the thing is, if you look at these guys and Fuller's right in there, but basically everyone outside of Terrell Brown is a size uh, increase. You know, by two or three inches at every position. And I don't know about you last year, Kim, but Fetters and I talked about this in a previous pod was that when you looked at Washington's team last year, it didn't look like the team it didn't certainly didn't look like anything we'd ever seen at Syracuse. Right. Um, they're just small. Everyone's small. And you're like, well, this is a zone. Everyone should be long and athletic and big. And it just like a USC roster that we're accustomed to seeing that was, you know, and now all of a sudden that's what Washington has. So from a dimensions perspective, from measurables and all that, They've gotten so much better and not even not just better from, you know, a size perspective, but from a fit perspective. Right. Because it's not just size and length. It's athleticism, too. Um, they've got high skill guys. So it's like in every, in every way that they needed to grow and improve. They did. I'm projecting a starting lineup with uh, Dejon Davis and Terrell Brown at the top. Mm -hmm. um, Emmett Matthews, Jamal Bay, and Nate Roberts down below. And you take a look at, you know, Davis is long, Matthews is long, Bay is long, Roberts is long. And then you can bring off a, uh, the bench a guy like uh, Jackson Grant, who's 6'10", Wilson, who's incredibly long at 6'9". We haven't even talked about Cole Bajima, who really came on at the end of last year at 6'8". And I know that um, they're really excited about Cole. Uh, you know, he just brings an energy. He doesn't quit. Um, I was kind of laughing, you know, with um, Will a couple months ago, telling him, I think your team was last in the nation about being able to get loose balls, because it seemed like they had a bunch of guys who didn't want to get hit in the mouth. But this group, they don't mind getting hit in the mouth. And Cole Bajima, I mean, he's all over the place. Well, yeah, you know, so now it's going to be a lot harder to account for a guy like Bajima because you're focused on the others, the other disruptors. And there's several where before you know, last season you had Quade and, and Stevenson who were really your only real disruptors, I guess, Marcus from time to time. Um, so to me, it, 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 there's just, it brings dividends and benefits across the board uh, and allows these guys to embrace the things that they do well. And I'm talking about Bajama, I'm talking about Bay, um, you know, where they have skills, they have abilities that because they were kind of forced into a role where they had to do everything, um, that didn't necessarily allow their best to shine. And I think that's going to be different this season. 
Did uh, Jamal Bay lead the conference in three-point shooting last year? Well, he was heading into the end of the season. I didn't look at the final stats, but he was up around 50% heading into the final, you know, into the Pac-12 tournament. Yeah, I mean, they, and everybody's saying where the bucket's going to come from. And, you know, I think Terrell Brown is a guy who can score. I think uh, Dejan yep. is a guy who can score. Jamal Bay has proven he can score. But I think that I think you're going to see a lot more balanced attack where you're going to, you know, see leading score, you know, be 14, 15 points a game. And you're going to have a bunch mm-hmm. of guys in that 10 to 15 point range. And you're not going to have that one guy who's going to have 25 every night that you need to depend on. But um, the one thing that kind of raised my eyes last night was out on Twitter. Um, a guy, um, is it Jason, Jason Williams? Is that, is, is that who it was? Why am I spacing on the name all of a sudden? Oh Bry- yeah. Uh, Bryson Williams. Yes. God, I couldn't yes. remember that. Bryson Williams is a six, eight, 230 pound you know, power forward can play the post. And, uh, he looks like Eric, he looks like, uh, Noah Dickerson. Yeah, I'm not going to pretend that I watched a ton of UTEP last season, but with those kind of body, um, you know, with that kind of body, uh, you can see where that would fit. I mean, 200, he's a tank. And yeah, Noah, it sounds like a really good comparison. He put up the numbers. I saw that. 15 and 7. Yep. 15 7. Yeah, and there's also a transfer from Arizona that I saw was kind of making the rounds too. Um, by by the way, Bryce, guess where Bryson Williams is from? Where? Fresno. Oh, well. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> he's a Quincy guy. Yeah, he's a, a Quincy so. guy, but 15 and seven. And the other thing is uh, he'd be a one year guy. Um, he was a fifth year this year at uh, UTEP. So he'll be an older six year guy um, and bringing in a guy like that. Um, you know, uh, great low post score. I mean, he's got that low post game, like, you know, NBA or uh, Noah. And boy, that's, I think that's what they've been missing. You know, that low post scoring. And he's a guy who could definitely, score down low in the post. So that's a guy who really opened my eyes uh, seeing that he had a zoom call last night with Mike Hopkins and uh, Will Conroy. Oh, no, yeah. Mike Hopkins and Quincy, excuse me. Well, there's definitely a need for one more big. Um, and uh, you know, I, at this point with the way the transfer portal has changed everything, uh, I think you can feel a bit more confident taking those, taking flyers on one of your guys like Davis, like Terrell, um, like Bryson, you know, guys like that, because um, especially when you're a, a program, whether it be Washington or anyone else, it's in transition mode, which Washington is, um, it's going to be a lot easier to, to address, you know, the deficiencies in a fast and a quick manner, as long as you have balance, you know what I mean? Um, because the trap is that you bring in a ton of six year or fifth year guys Um and all of a sudden you're in this cycle and doing it every year. But, you know, the truth is it's working at Oklahoma. Uh, Dana Altman's made a, you know, he's more or less made a career out of it down at Oregon. So it's not like it can't be done. USC. And, and work. USC, USC is another one. Yep. So, so anyway, I think at the very least, it's a great transitional strategy, even if I don't love it for the long term uh, for the program. Yeah, you know, and just Emmett, uh, Emmett Matthews got two years. Um, Dejan's only got a year. I'd, I'd like to get two years out of Dejan, but that's not going to happen. But uh, nope. yeah, they're bringing in some of those guys. But, you know, right now they've got two spots left. Um, would you be disappointed if they filled this out with Bryson Williams and um, P.J. Fuller? Nope. Home runs. 
those are, I mean, I don't really know that much about Williams, but thinking, looking from a statistical perspective and they fill for a need, absolutely great. And no. Fuller, Fuller, you know, there are a lot of people that thought uh, Fuller had uh, NBA upside when he was here in Seattle as a prep. So he's got that kind of at least perceived talent, even if it didn't show up, you know, so far in his college career. Uh, but it's definitely there. Yeah, he's he he didn't put up great numbers down at Texas A&M, but I think with this type of program, it's um, uh, definitely something that he could flourish in. And then coming back home, I think is going to be a big deal, you know. So, and we'll keep an eye on PJ Fuller over the next week. So, um, it's been crazy, uh, Beach. I mean, I took a look back in the entire month of December. I think it was December fourth until like the first week of January. They didn't have a win. They were winless. I mean, they went over a month without a win. Yes, it was sadness. I <laughs> there were that was I, I turned off games earlier. You know right after the start of the second half more times in December than I think any time period, you know, any previous, you know, probably all the seasons combined leading up to that. So that was just awful. I'm so, so, and I know everyone else is too, where everyone's so glad to put that in the past and let's forget about it. It was COVID 2020, leave it in the past. We're moving forward now and Washington's got all kinds of good things happening. All right. Anything to wrap it up with beach. You got any final comments, final thoughts? Oh, no, man. I, uh, I'm excited to get out into the old, uh, go, go watch some, uh, some recruits and get out as the AAU schedule starts to settle and tournaments start booking up. Um, I'm here to get out there and go see some of the next uh, generation of young guys here in the Northwest. Yeah, just um, people I've talked to, just by the way, the guy that everybody's just happy to have back and of everybody I talked to, you mentioned this guy's name and everybody smiles and that's Dejon Davis. Um, that kid has one of my favorite kids to cover Kim. One of my favorites ever. I mean, Quincy's right up there too, but, uh, I, I watched Davis from, I guess, eighth grade on, you know, I've seen him probably as a prep a hundred times, uh, between rotary and Garfield. Um, he's an amazing kid. Um, and you know, he's the kind of kid that, uh, I guess he's not a kid anymore, but, uh, he's the kind of guy that Washington, you know, wants, you know, as a steward and, you know, as a representative of the program. Everybody loves that kid. Everybody loves Dejon Davis. And um, yep. I'm just thinking about how crazy it's going to be when the dog pack, you know, the first game, how crazy is that going to be come October? Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. So anyways, Hey, for all of us at dogman.com, I'm Kim Reynolds, along with Aaron beach, go dogs. <laughs>